Talk about the devastating earthquake in Morocco now. The North African nation dealing with the aftermath of the most devastating quake they've experienced in decades. It hit on September 8th, one week ago, in the high Atlas mountain range, around 70 kilometers southwest of Marrakesh. Thousands killed, thousands more injured. Rescue efforts still continuing. Hope fading for more survivors. Got Gregor Craigie standing by, author of the book on borrowed time, North America's next big quake. First, have a listen to this report. This is CNN's reporter, Nada Bashir. Stone by stone, hour by hour, the desperate search for survivors pushes on. The silence in this remote, mountainous village, punctured only by the wails of those who survived now left to mourn. Well, for the rescue team here, this really is a race against time. There is a woman and her 12-year-old daughter buried beneath the rubble and for their family waiting anxiously for news of whether they have survived Friday's earthquake. All right, let's discuss now with my guest, Gregor Craigie. Gregor is a journalist based in Victoria. I highly recommend his book on borrowed time, North America's Next Big Quake. And I'm very pleased to welcome him back. Gregor, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure, Mike. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate it a lot. And before we start talking about bring it home here to BC and and the situation we face here, let's talk a little bit about this Morocco quake because I was just reading about, you know, this is a 6.8 quake, which I guess is not not huge. Like if you think about mm-hmm. the the devastating quake in Turkey and Syria back in February it was 7.8. Yeah. So this one this one's smaller. Why did it cause so much devastation, even if it was a smaller one? It's a really good question because uh, the magnitude can be uh, can be a bit confusing. It, it speaks to the overall size of the quake. And in this case, a magnitude 6.8 means uh, that the fault or the, the earthquake itself was probably about 30 kilometers long. Uh, but, but earthquakes, it, there's a few factors that matter. The overall size of it, but also... Uh, the proximity or how close it is. As you mentioned, Mike, it was about 70 kilometers from the city of Marrakesh and closer to some of those villages, like the one where we heard that that excellent report from. And so the closer you are to an earthquake or the closer it is to your city, the more damage it will do. I mean, for instance, it may be the case in Victoria here where I live that uh, in the future, uh, a, a shallow magnitude seven earthquake could actually do more damage than an offshore magnitude nine earthquake simply because it's closer. So uh, that kind of explains how this magnitude 6.8 uh, earthquake has done so much damage, damage yeah. just, uh, just heartbreaking stories from Morocco. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it is heartbreaking to watch the coverage here and see people suffering. And when you think about a country like a, a developing country like Morocco, are poorer countries or developing countries typically less, more, more uh, vulnerable to the devastation from a quake in terms of like things like building standards or buildings that could fall down more easily? Absolutely. And, and I mean, one, one example I can think of that contrasts this and highlights that point is if you think back, I guess, about 12 years ago to the devastating earthquake in Haiti. And uh, within six months or so, uh, there was a, a similar magnitude. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but they were both six point somethings. One in New Zealand in Christchurch, which killed more than 100 people and it caused devastation in Christchurch. Don't get me wrong. But there was a there's a stark difference between tens or even hundreds 
hundreds of thousands of people killed because there just aren't the same building standards uh, versus hundreds of people killed in, in uh, developed cities. And in Haiti, it was really telling that they had so many buildings just collapse. But you looked at a lot of the foreign embassies, like the U.S. embassy and so on, that, that withstood the quake mostly fine. They didn't collapse yeah. or even suffer serious damage. Yeah, and speaking of building standards, I want to ask you about the building standards here here at home in BC and whether they're up to, to standard going forward here. Speaking to Gregor Craigie, his book is On Borrowed Time, North America's Next Big Quake. So if we, if we bring it home here, Gregor, like we're in an active area for tremors, right? Have, have you ever felt, yeah. I think I have felt at least two or three tremors over, over the years in Victoria. Have you ever felt felt the ground shake here? I, I have. I've only felt two. The, the one yeah. was only, and this one uh, terrified me, Mike. I don't know if you remember this one. I'm thinking it was four years ago between Christmas and New Year's, about 11 yes. o'clock at night. It was only magnitude four point something. It was near Sydney. But I honestly felt for about two seconds like my whole house was about to fall over. And I'm not saying it was, but that's what it felt like. But but I've never felt anything bigger than that. So I can't, I can't claim uh, that firsthand. I felt that one. I remember that one. Because I was at home too, and I felt the window shake in, in my yeah. house. That was a weird one. I felt one at the BC legislature one time too, which was a little nerve wracking. Oh so yeah. Where no where kidding. are we at? Like, can you describe the the threat here in in BC? Like, why? How active a zone is this? Well, this is the big question. I mean, if you want to put a really rough uh, odds on it uh, uh, for Vancouver, Victoria, and I mean, every scientist I've spoken to, they kind of flinch when you ask them this question because it's so hard and it's so imprecise uh, to put odds on it. But if, if we just talk about, a, let's say, a major earthquake, doesn't mean the biggest we could get, but a major earthquake that would cause damage and, and threaten lives in the next 50 years, I've heard a lot of scientists sort of say, okay, fine, if you really want to put odds on it, we'll say one in three for the south oh. coast of BC. And that, I mean, so, you know, those are pretty high odds. And I, fine, you can yeah. flip it around and say, well, there's a two in three chance nothing's going to happen in the rest of my life. But, uh, I mean, I've talked to a lot of, you know, medical professionals and other people who say, well, I, I wouldn't want to go in with those odds. So it's it, the, the risk is high enough. And, uh, and you know, we are ready in some places. Our our new building code is is pretty good, but boy, there's an awful lot of old buildings around us, Mike, including my house, which I'm talking to in right now, that are, just aren't ready. And uh, that we better hope that earthquake holds off for for quite a few more decades. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that, like building standards in things in British Columbia. Have building standards been made more robust? Have they been upgraded in order to deal with yes. this threat? Yeah, that's the good news. So, I mean, you walk downtown Vancouver and you've got, you know what it's like, you've got such a mixed bag. You've got old towers, beautiful old uh, towers that, that are decades and decades old. You've got mid-century ones and then you've got brand new gleaming condo towers. And the building code is updated regularly. I think we're up to now every five years. And the good news is that the modern building code is extremely, uh, uh, an extremely high standard. So uh, any new buildings that are going up, it's extremely unlikely that they are going to allow anyone to get killed in an earthquake. Now, there's the question of whether they'll be usable or not. And we tend to have a higher standards for buildings like hospitals that are built now because you want them to not only not kill anybody, but you want them to be usable after the earthquake, of course to treat victims and provide shelter and so on. But boy, there's a lot. I mean, there are thousands of 
unreinforced masonry buildings in Vancouver and Victoria and other cities like New Westminster and Esquimalt and Oak Bay that haven't been reinforced. I mean, you just have to walk uh, walk anywhere in the downtown east side and you'll find a lot of the, the old single room occupancy uh, buildings have not been upgraded. They haven't been strengthened. So you heard that report from the CNN reporter in uh, Morocco. She talked about stone by stone. That's what you get yeah. in an earthquake when you have unreinforced masonry. Like they've got mortar holding them down and gravity, they'll withstand gravity for centuries. But the second you get a side to side shaking in an earthquake, they fall apart. And we could have that in you know downtown Victoria, lots of, uh, lots of Vancouver with older brick buildings and so on. That's the biggest threat. And so a lot of our older buildings, including woodhouses like I live in, are, are at risk. Okay, last question for you, Gregor. So the building standards are one thing. What about the tsunami risk that we face here in BC? We've got the early warning systems for the tsunami, right? Yeah, and Earthquakes Canada, the Natural Resources Canada, is developing that more and more. They're, they're starting to, uh, uh, to test it. It's going to be offered on our phones. That's really going to help in coastal communities like Tofino on the island. In places like Metro Vancouver, the tsunami risk is considerably less I mean, there's still hypothetical causes of tsunami, like a slump of the Fraser River Delta that could cause uh, closer, smaller tsunamis in a place like Richmond. But the really big offshore ones are more of a, a concern for out, outlying coastal communities like Tofino, uh, Souk, not too far from us in Victoria, and some low-lying areas uh, in Metro Vancouver, Greater Victoria. But, but still probably for most of us in the big cities, the earthquake is the bigger threat than the tsunami in this part of the world. Okay, let's hope it never happens. Gregor, thank you for coming on to talk about it today. I share that hope, Mike. All the best. Good to talk <laughs> again.